Yes, father, I shall become a bat. So, welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. It's Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman. And with me is... Andrew Shred King Johnson. <laughs> Different co every week. back again. <laughs> peanuts in the background. <laughs> Look, from the start of the episode, we get, you're going to hear Coffee's a meow here. here and there. Yes. So, apologize. They're I here apologize. to replace Zach. <laughs> peanuts. Yeah. Pretty much. Alfie, here to replace Zach. So at the top of the episode, we just gotta say it. Yep. We're finally here. We've been counting down to the Batman, and the week of this release of our episode is also the week of the release of the Batman. So, this is our last main show recording before seeing the movie Peanut. There he is. <laughs> yes, He's making Peanut. his standard cameo appearance on here. I'm going to <laughs> yes. uh, let Alfie I'll be merciful to Alfie and just let him sleep right now. Okay, here. good. He, at least he's quieter than this 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 guy. So, uh, I'll regale both you and Peanut on this, but we've covered the unmade penguins, the unmade catwomen, the unmade riddlers. Now we finally cover the unmade batmen. Specifically, oh, man. the unmade batman origins. Now, we're not going to get an origin story with the new movie, according to Matt Reeves, but we'll likely get hints at it or a new backstory to the Robert Pattinson Batman. So, we've covered... Some of these scripts before in detail, but this is specifically on like the origin aspects, tidbits, info that might not have been in that episode, you know, things you might have forgotten, uh, or things that you might not have heard from the backlog. So we might as well get started. Okay. <laughs> Peanut's excited. Uh, I really. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Peanut wow. is massively I... excited for this. I... Uh, let me explain this to the audience. He, we're in a. I moved to a new house, and he's just like kind of exploring and kind of I don't know, complaining while exploring or something. I don't know. And then he's just more talkative than he used to be. Just, oh. I'm sorry, audience. If we could just, <laughs> I cannot. I can't put a fucking nuzzle over this <laughs> muzzle over the cat. I just, no. <laughs> I wish. I wish we could have better sound recording, but oh well. I got to kind of deal with it at the moment. He's our new co-host. Time yeah. being. So. We're covering yeah. the unmade Batman origins, so we're actually going to cover with something a little different. For once, we aren't going to start with the Tom Mankiewicz Batman script from the early 80s like we usually do. We're going to start in the 70s with Michael Usland. Michael Usland yes. wrote a script I met, We both met him. Yep. Yep. Great guy. Great yeah. guy. Huge super fan. You know that he's, he's the true fan at heart, and he's the fan who made it happen. He's the one who spent 10 years trying to pitch Batman and just found a no after no and shut door after shut door until finally he was able to get some traction and, and it just basically built up into the 1989 Batman movie. And, you know, it's, he was, a, he was a lawyer for United artists, mm -hmm. right? So this is <clears throat> like partially, I mean, a, a huge thing. He was like a Batman fan and also a lawyer for the studio. Yeah. So I guess he was already friends with producers and shit. Yeah. He got into show business so that he could do this. So that he could try to bring <laughs> Batman to life. But, <laughs> this is life mission. I mean, yeah, why not? That's cool. Yes, yeah, so that was. He says that it was his vow, just like Bruce Wayne's vow, <laughs> to fight crime. <laughs> except his vow was to, you know, bring a serious Batman to the big screen. So he uh, he wrote about all this in his memoir, "The Boy Who Loved Batman," and he has an upcoming one too called "Batman's Batman," I think. But he mentions in there that before he started all this, he decided to write out his own script treatment. To sort of give a blueprint or an idea of just like, no, it's, don't think Adam West. Think this version, a more serious version. And the name of the script treatment 
is going to be a little confusing, but it's called Return of the Batman. Not to be confused with Bob Kane's The Return of Batman. <laughs> yeah, he's the same, same yeah. three words. Over yeah, there. pretty much. So it was the blueprint of the tone of the film. We have not done a deep dive on it because when I mentioned it the first time, I had not read it. And okay. now I can say I've read part of it so far. So okay. there's only so much I can say about it right now. But Yuzlin wanted to bring the origin into the movie, even though it wasn't going to be an origin movie per se, but they were going to have flashbacks in it. So he wanted to show the traditional origin as first seen in 1939's Detective Comics number 33. This would have been the very first adaptation of the origin, which is kind of crazy because we're talking 1979. We're talking 40 right. years after the inception of the character, but... We didn't see the death of the Waynes in the 1940s serials. It's only mentioned a couple of times in the 1960s show. And we would get an animated adaptation in the Galactic Guardian Superpowers team TV show. <laughs> but that was still in the 80s, not in the 70s. So this was an attempt. And Yuzlin stays pretty close to the original Bill Finger origin. He says that the Waynes leave the movie theater uh, just like in the original comic. However, he specifies that the movie they see is From Here to Eternity with Burt Lancaster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not really sure why specifically. I think he was just trying to set the tone of it, but I don't think there's a significant thematic reason for that. Uh, okay. And then, they, as usual, they get confronted by the murderer. Yuzlin specifies that the gunman wears a cap or wears a hat, which we can see here, the sort of newsboy hat thing, which... Right. We see a lot in the comics. We don't really see it a lot in live action. And so I kind of appreciate this mention. It's it's this imagery of Joe Chill. It's classic imagery of, of Joe Chill in the comics and animation where he's got the cap on and he's got the gun. And I've always okay. liked it because in the uh, Batman Superman comic by Jeff Loeb, he specifies that it's it's the cap created the shadows across his face. And oh, yeah. it sort of That's influences cool. the shadows. So Batman says... Quote, I cloak myself in the very shadows the gunman used to hide his face from me. So <laughs> I've always liked that aspect. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Uslin also stays true to the fact that Bruce Wayne makes a vow to fight crime as a kid. So this is something that we have not seen in live action. I'm not sure if we'll ever see it in live action, but he did have it in his, uh, in his script. And then we jump to present day and Bruce is an adult and a bat flies in through the window and inspires him to fight crime. And so, you know. <laughs> Kept it simple. It's pretty much the origin. I shall become a bat. <laughs> so, I love that line. I know. It's, it's just like that that perfect kind of cheese that's awesome. Exactly. So that's about all I can share about it for now. But a lot of the scripts leading up to the 1989 movie will have a lot of these elements. So I'll try not to keep repeating the same ones. But naturally, we're going to watch the Waynes die again and again and again ad nauseum <laughs> through the 80s before people got sick of it in the like mid-2010s. Uh, right. on film but uh we're going to go into the next script which is the batman not the matt reeves one but the 1982 to 1983 the batman script from tom mankiewicz mm. so as we discussed before mankiewicz took the template of superman the movie from 1978 and went with it for batman and a lot of the things that develop in writing the batman origin is the idea that like why don't we just have alfred there from the very beginning remember as We've talked right. about in the Patreon, like Alfred was not always there for Bruce Wayne. He was an added character after Batman and Robin were already existing. So it's a relatively right. new idea to say like, oh, just have Alfred there from the beginning. It keeps things simpler, creates a no, no more emotional connection. You mean like a butler to the Waynes from the get-go. Exactly. Sort of raises him raises after Bruce. his parents die. That's a, when did that come about? That came about in the 80s? 
Yeah, this comes about in the officially in the 80s in the comics, but it looks like they were playing with that idea <clears throat> in these scripts because Mankiewicz okay. has this in his script in 82 to 83, yet we wouldn't really see confirmation of this until Frank Miller's comics in like years later. So okay. uh, this is established pretty well here. And so Mankiewicz does that. He also has it so that when we meet the Waynes, Thomas Wayne isn't just a doctor, but he's also a politician running for city council against Rupert Thorne. And this kind of foreshadows later versions where in the Earth One comics, Thomas Wayne is running for mayor. And then in the Joker movie, Thomas Wayne is running for mayor. So that's right. It's out here politicking. Yeah, exactly. So they, they kind of <laughs> add that aspect into that. And uh, another uh, yeah, all right. kind of nice wrinkle was Bruce Wayne is established as kind of like this this 10-year-old scientific genius, he sort of creates a hologram of himself already when he's like 10 years old. So he's like <laughs> supposed to be super, super smart here. Yeah. Uh, Mankiewicz also says that Martha Wayne gets gifted a beautiful necklace. Now, it's not specified as pearls because Frank Miller hadn't established the, the imagery of the broken pearl necklace yet in The Dark Knight Returns. It just says a beautiful necklace. Because in the original origin, okay, so he's know. playing off of that. I yes, guess. yeah. The original origin has Joe Cho asked, like, "I'll take that necklace you're wearing, lady," but they don't specify like it being a pearl necklace. You know, it's it's 1939 art, so it's just literally it's little <laughs> little beads. Yeah, so that yeah, little, yeah, little dots. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, that addition, man. It's subtle. It's a small thing, but I mean, it's just one of those things. Like mm -hmm. we talked about before, it's an addition to the mythos, and like this one change is like. Mm -hmm. just one of those changes that'll probably be a mainstay yeah yeah you know mm -hmm. pretty much it's going to feel weird yeah. too whenever somebody else does one without the pearls and they're just like they messed that up that's how like yeah. ingrained it is people are just going to be like they messed that up i'm just like technically they're going all the way back but i understand it seems like he probably because it's like well a it's what a rich person would have mm -hmm. but b the visual of them uh just falling on the ground yeah. Uh, probably, you know, it's, how do I say it? It's like not glass, but it like shatters like a, like more than a, another necklace would probably, you know what I mean? So yeah, you know, it falls apart. It's a visceral uh, image. It's, it's funny because I think I read something somewhere. Somebody brought this up where they're just like real pearl necklaces aren't actually supposed to break like that. It's, they only break like that when it's like the cheap pearl necklaces. So basically they were saying Thomas Wayne was a cheapskate. <laughs> or basically oh, Frank Miller didn't really know what how <laughs> pearl necklaces this, break. That's the reality. This is what, it, that's the, re, <laughs> the reality is Frank Miller never bought one. Never bought a good one. Yeah. So he was too busy buying fedoras and shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, well, that definitely changes the imagery of the pearl necklace, but... <laughs> Right. Frank Miller looks like a comic book villain, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but that's another story. He's got the Heisenberg sure. look with the, the goatee and the hat. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but you, you know what I'm saying? He kind of has a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I know you and Zach <laughs> laughed about this when I talked about this earlier, but uh, in this script, they don't go to see the Mark of Zorro yet because, again, that was not established. That wasn't established in The Dark Knight Returns. They see... A nun's the nun story, <laughs> Audrey Hepburn. Oh man! I shall become a nun. Says Bruce <laughs> Andre's parents. Are yeah. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this is one of the things that did not make it to the mainstay no. uh, mythos. No, and yeah, that's a good thing. So yeah. once again, 
we get the death of the Waynes, except in this version, Joe Chill was hired in order to off Thomas Wayne because Thomas Wayne was running against Rupert Thorne. So it's a political assassination in this version of stuff. So mm. that's sort of a new wrinkle added into it. And then true to the 1946 comic retelling, we've got this scene that Bill Finger had added later where Bruce like stares down Chill with the look that haunts him. Um, and Joe Chill's like, stop looking at me like that, kid. So uh, sort of creates the idea of Bruce is already scaring criminals when his parents <laughs> are dead. So uh, that's kind of a... It's a nice, cheesy 1940s type of thing. I don't know how it would play. I've never seen it in live action, but it's... Uh, yeah. It's They were trying for it. They were trying for it. So That's cool. Whatever. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. We don't actually see Bruce make the vow, though, in the Mankiewicz okay. script. And that leads to something I think we talked about way back when we covered it, where like Bruce kind of does a lot of training to sort of deal with his grief, but he doesn't really have it directed towards that purpose of crime fighting yet. He's There's no mentor character. There's no League of Shadows, obviously. Um he just studies a lot. He studies different languages, different sciences, does martial arts, gymnastics. He even does race car driving at one point. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you know, Mankiewicz definitely goes against what uh, you said your Japanese friends thought, where, like, Batman definitely fucks before he becomes Batman <laughs> in the Mankiewicz <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> so to, 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 to explain this, I showed this years and years ago to some Japanese friends of mine, and for some reason they had... The Dark Knight trilogy, mm -hmm. and uh, we had a marathon in one night, and they were like surprised that Batman fucks. <laughs> they thought he was stoic, which in their eyes is like you know, kind of stays away from sex. I don't know why they had that, but they all they all thought that it was really yeah. weird. Yeah, well, yeah, clearly not in this version. I, I lived in Japan in two thousand eight when the Dark Knight came out, and like it. Batman is not that not as popular as you'd think in in Japan. Like Spider Man's huge, but mm -hmm. Batman's just much less so. I mean, I think he's probably more and more as time goes along. But I don't know what it is. It's just a purely American hero, I think, in some mm -hmm. ways. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think uh, for this one, Mankiewicz is being influenced by James Bond stuff too, where he's just like, eh, similar character. I'll just show that he's a womanizer too. So that's how that gets <laughs> I mean, brought in. By the way, the race car driving, they've never, I mean, this is, it would be a huge detour, mm -hmm. uh, almost literally, but like, you know, he, he, he's a guy that goes and seeks training from pros, right? Mm -hmm. And he drives the Batmobile very well, right? So it would make sense that he would seek, you know, driving training. This really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, in order to do those fucking moves and shit in the car, like that's stunt driving shit and without hurting other people as well. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like, uh, that's a huge it would be, skill he needs. Yeah. It's a huge skill. It would be cool to see that and maybe getting his pilot's license or, mm -hmm. you know, getting taught by fucking like, you see this, it would just be just such, such a big detour, but it'd be kind of cool to see, uh, in live action in some way. It's also one where like he can kind of get away with it without having to like hide his name, where he's just like you know yeah. it's just it's an idle playboy type of thing. I want to race cars, and they're just like Psh, okay, like they're not going to question it as much as just like wait, why do you need to learn all these different martial arts? But like it, race car driving yeah. is like oh sure, yeah, that and yeah, flying and getting a submarine <laughs> and all that shit. You know <laughs> what I mean? It would make it would make a lot of sense. Like Bruce Wayne has like a wallet full of licenses, like mm -hmm. his boat license, his sub license, plane license. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so Bruce yeah. is getting laid left and right, wi- left and right, and then he goes on the, <laughs> after a one night stand with a reporter. Yeah, he's leaving the house and he sees a family get attacked, and of course it, it reminds him of what happened to his parents. So he tries to intervene, and he ends up taking on a whole motorcycle gang, kind of similar to when he you know tries to intervene in Mask of the Phantasm in front of Andrea. And uh, this predates Batman Year One, predates Mask of the Phantasm, because, again, this is like 82, 83. And with Bruce trying to fight crime before he's Batman, he's trying to attempt to do it. And to be honest, I kind of like this the best out of those scenarios because of how much it makes it thematically tie into the deaths of his parents. You know, it's another family. It's another alley in the dark, like that type of stuff. It makes a lot of sense that Bruce, no matter where he's at in his in his career would want to step in uh, and Makowitz has it so that it has kind of a tragic ending. He is unable to save the father of the family. And that of course, okay. Retriggers the trauma and Bruce goes back home and feeling like, yeah, he could do this, but he could have done a lot more. He could have saved that man. He feels like he failed and he revisits the hologram of that 10 year old self that he created. And as he's thinking and remembering the laser of the hologram, uh, I guess ends up breaking open a hole in the wall leading into a cavern from down below. And Bruce goes in and discovers the cave underneath the manor. And in a scene foreshadowing Batman Begins, a swarm of bats go around him. And this is his I shall become a bat moment. This is Mangowitz's yeah. replacement of the bat flying in through the window. Just like it was really in Batman was Begins. Yeah. I love that shit in Batman Begins. Yeah. The only thing is like... <clears throat> Didn't we talk about this before? Like at the end of Batman Begins, he gets like swarmed by bats again, and he kind of freaks out for a second, like near the zombie scene. I don't really remember that. Okay. Yeah. It kind of. I maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but it's just like he should be over this. <laughs> he's not afraid of bats anymore. <laughs> God damn it! He's. <laughs> but maybe, maybe but yeah. It's, this it's the um, maybe it's the fear gas stuff. I think maybe that's where it, it makes him maybe see that, the bats. Yeah. So that could be that. I guess that's all that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this it, it this felt like a a, a baptism. This mm-hmm. was he was baptized in bats. He was a yeah. ma- he's made anew here. I think that's kind of the imagery. Yeah. That's kind of what they're going for here, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, Mankiewicz probably had the same idea of this. So yes, this is where this begins, and then Batman has his first night out, going all over Gotham City, stopping crimes, kind of remin- reminiscent of when Christopher Reeves Superman. Had his first night out, saves Lois, and goes around, helps stop crime. Same type of stuff. Uh, and uh, it's it's really, you know, we've covered it ad nauseum way back when. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's still our number one episode on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, it is. The 82 one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, a solid yeah. take. It's a solid take on that. So yeah. after Mankiewicz's draft, we go to 1985 with uh, the Burton-Hickson draft. Uh, so the Tim Burton co-writes a treatment with Julie Hickson. Uh, and they keep the idea that Thomas Wayne is a politician, but they go a little further with it. So I thought this was interesting. He is, quote, the counsel for the Senate-appointed subcommittee on investigation into racketeering. In other words, he's like, he's trying to go up against a bunch of mobsters. Uh, And he's trying to take down Rupert Thorne. So here, like, yes, he is a politician, but he's not, instead of, like, being a candidate for mayor or city council, he's, like, I mean, it's Council C O U N S E L, so it's like he's a lawyer type, and uh, right. uh, you know he has a very public war against crime, kind of foreshadowing his son's journey. But he worries about what will happen to 
to his family, specifically Bruce. And he even gets a threatening phone call from what seems like Rupert Thorne's people. So he, you know, from like the other versions, Alfred is there from the beginning. And Thomas makes Alfred promise, take care of Bruce if anything were to happen to me. So okay. this is key. You know, it's just, it's an interesting thing because it's like Thomas Wayne is a very public person trying to war on crime and we know what's going to happen to him. So it seems a lot more natural than for Bruce to be like, well, I want to be like my father, but look what happened to him. I need another route. And so then the persona of the bat comes in. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Burton has a better idea than uh, Mankiewicz in terms of what they see beforehand. They don't see Audrey Hepburn in the nun story. <laughs> they instead go, actually, this surprised me when I reread it, they go to the opera. This is for oh, Shattering nice. of Batman Begins. More stuff for Shattering of Batman Begins. It um, makes sense, though. I mean, shit, yeah. it's a fucking rich, rich family you see in the opera. Yeah. 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 And uh, in this one, it specified that they're watching Die Fleidermaus, which is by Philippe Petit. <laughs> So, of course, they're going to die flatter mass, but they kind of make this a little less coincidental, uh, and you'll, you'll see why. So, the flatter mouse does mean bat, right? It means In German? Mean, yeah, it means the bat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Flying so mouse. They go to the opera called The Bat, and I guess there's also a costume party aspect to it at the same time, so everybody dresses up to go there. So Bruce is in, like, a little clown outfit, which is ironic. Uh, Martha Wayne is dressed as a fairy. <laughs> And Thomas Wayne says, well, I'm going to fit in with the Die Flattermouse experience and be dressed as a bat. You see where we're going with this. I, so. think we've, <laughs> I guess we've just covered so much bat over the years. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've, I think we've covered this before in some other way. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. This Where is Thomas Wayne dons the bat suit, and this is yeah. sort of shattering of the Flashpoint stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, because like in the 1950s comics, they had one where it was just like Thomas Wayne was the first Batman. He dressed up in a bat suit and you know went to a costume party, and then mobsters showed up, and he helped to like the police catch them. And then I think what Burton and Hickson do here is make it very interesting, uh, where they tie it a little more into the Batman origin. So, uh, so in this version, they're walking back from the opera dressed in their costumes, which means Thomas Wayne gets gunned down in a bat suit. Yeah, that is ridiculous. But that, that, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't sit right, does it? I know, right? It doesn't have the yeah. same imagery when yeah. everybody's dressed up in costume. When it happens, you know, you've got that screaming boy kneeling by the bodies, and it's just yeah. there's something off. When it's just like, yeah, that it's there's a fairy and it giant bat on the ground and he's dressed up as a clown crying on the <laughs> sidewalk i'm like i don't think that really maybe if they split it up you know yeah you know what if there was a costume party and then there was a murder on another night or something i don't know but uh or he had like a serious cotillion to go to and they had to re get in their tuxes change. and leave yeah but it's just like story-wise it gets so busy at that point i guess yeah yeah so they leave the theater, and then an ice cream truck drives by, and a gunman opens fire on the couple from the ice cream truck. And Bruce screams in pain and grief, and he fixes it, he fixates on the killer, the face of the killer on the truck, who has green hair, pale skin, and red lips. It's a 17-year-old version of the Joker. So this is a really fucking surreal version of it. So <laughs> teenage Joker from an ice cream truck <laughs> shoots down Tom yes. and Martha Wayne, who are dressed up as a bat and a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, Zach Snyder did this. The fans would have eaten him alive, and again, he would have been like, eh, "I don't know." Bam! There's a fucking comic, you idiots. This is a comic of Thomas Wayne in the bat suit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so after this, we actually get 
Gordon comforting Bruce at the scene of the crime. I've previously credited this to Steve Englehart, who I'll go into next, but this is actually in the Tim Burton and Julie Hickson treatment, which means technically the first person to want to do this is Tim Burton. So, I don't know. Decent change. Decent change, thanks to Burton and uh, and Hickson. It does say the the story and concept ideas are by Burton and Hickson. The actual treatment is credited to Julie Hickson. So, it's basically both of them on this one. But uh, I don't know how much of this is Burton and how much of this is Hickson. Right. Uh, Anyway, after the murders, we get Alfred finding young Bruce, and he vows that for as long as he's alive, Bruce will never be alone. So we kind of have that bond with Alfred solidified here. Uh, Once again, we get the funeral of the Waynes, and now we get more training montage stuff. It says specifically (laughs) in this that he trains in Tai Chi, Aikido, Judo, Kung Fu, Advanced Hypnosis. That's interesting. (laughs) Fencing, skydiving, swimming, meditation, archery, masters all languages, adept at gymnastics. (laughs) All languages. (laughs) Those deep in the Amazon. (laughs) Klingon. (laughs) Acrobatics, chess, criminology, law, medicine, astronomy, physics, and even dabbles with magic and witchcraft. I guess foreshadowing <laughs> Justice League Dark or something. <laughs> I get. To, I would just love to see him doing like archery and shit, and then cut to him drawing a pentagram <laughs> and lighting a candle or some shit. I need to learn <laughs> witchcraft, Alfred. I'm like, Why? Uh, like, I don't know. I just need to know everything. They would be burning Batman comics by the <laughs> fucking boatload in America, anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We also I mean, I'm not against. I'm not against it, but just like, yeah, know. you know, yeah. Uh, we see him coming through newspapers about crime, about Rupert Thorne, and he's convinced that Rupert Thorne killed his parents. And so, you know, he turns to Gordon, a young Gordon, and he's just like, "You have to go after Thorne. My parents were murdered, and Gordon doesn't have enough evidence." So, um, that's all still established here. And it also says that Batman or Bruce, before he's Batman, develops a quote-unquote basement hideaway that has an elaborate gym, a trapeze set. Criminology and science labs, state-of-the-art computers. Basically, he's developing an early bat cave in his basement, which is cool. I uh, mean, kind of like the we get bat man cave from bat cave. I think, <laughs> yeah, you know, so it makes like sense. It, it just where he's training. It would make it kind of would make sense, like where he's training mm-hmm. the most is kind of where he sets up shop. You know, yeah, yeah, and then it uh, yeah. becomes this thing, especially if you know you start off. When he's Batman, he's got the Batcave. It's going to take a while to establish that headquarters anyway, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It also says that Bruce watches the home video that Alfred took of his father wearing a bat suit, and he watches it every night to, I guess, remind him of what he needs to do. Uh, then it says the Joker breaks out of prison and terrorizes Gotham. So, again, Joker is around and has been around since he was 17 years old before Bruce becomes Batman in this, so this is wild. And it's because the Joker is creating chaos in Gotham that Bruce decides, I need to step in. I need to fight crime. But how? And so Bruce is rewatching the home movie footage of Thomas Wayne in the bat suit, and Bruce decides, I shall become a bat after seeing his father in the bat does suit. Does he say it? Does he say it in the script? <laughs> I don't think he does. I'll have to relook again. <laughs> <laughs> I want Pattinson to say it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll flashback, flashback at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll probably be a, like a kid version of Pattinson, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's kind of an eerie connection too, though, where Bruce is like, it's saying that Bruce is seeing his father in the in the home video, and it's almost like his 
he wants to join his father in death. And the only way to do that is through the common totem of the bat type of thing. Or it's just like mm. his father is, quote, beckoning him into some imagined reunion in the silent hereafter of the screen. And so, like, the only Damn, way for him that's to, good. Yeah, the way to reunite with his father while also striking fear into criminals is to become the Batman. So I'm I like, shall die gunned down <laughs> in the street wearing a bat suit. <laughs> I mean, as ridiculous as it was with <laughs> Thomas Wayne wearing the bat suit in the actual Wayne murders, this idea, I'm like, you know what? That's actually pretty fucking cool. I actually really like that. Uh, oh, that's because, cool. Yeah, it's solid. You know, clearly the Thomas Wayne bat suit in the 50s here is like their way to like bring back the old, like, you know, the classic, you know, golden age Batman with the ears and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, it makes sense to be like, you know what? Why can't there be a tie with the you know bat flying in through the window and Thomas Wayne wearing the bat suit? Why does it have to be a coincidence like it was in the comics? Like, why don't you actually tie those things together so right, that right. It's, it makes sense so that he... He is. He knows he's donning the costume of his father. It's not some like retconned coincidence. Ten or fifteen years later, so uh, I thought it was cool. I kind of want to dive into this insane treatment in another episode because we're only at, like maybe one sixth of the way <laughs> into the treatment by the time this happens. And I covered it a little bit when we were discussing the Tom Mankiewicz script, but thanks to one of our supporters, Derek O, uh, he hooked me up with a new, you know, a copy of the treatment because I hadn't read it in a while and I didn't have a copy on me. So uh, I'm going to reread it. We'll give it its own episode, just like we gave its own episode to the Steve Englehart script treatments. So we discussed <laughs> last year. So This is when Zach was starting to be on board, I see. Yes. So that's Zach's uh, beautiful artwork of yeah. Michael Keaton after he crashed the Batwing. And uh, there were two treatments that Englehart wrote, and we covered those in detail in those episodes. But uh, in terms of main contributions, uh, the Waynes still die. <laughs> It says that they die in 1970 after watching any Warner's movie from the period that evokes high adventure, clearly catering, <laughs> catering to the uh, the audience who's reading at the studio, uh, who's reading his treatment. Oh, yeah. Scripts, and, scripts will be like that. Yeah. It'll be kind of not specific because you know it'll change anyway. Yeah. It's like whatever we yeah. got the rights to. you know. <clears throat> oh, man. We read fucking at least part of the face-off script from uh, <laughs> the 90s when I was in college. Yeah. The script is fucking terrible, man. Like, John Woo just really worked some Woo magic on that one. Mm, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it was just the woo, 90s and it was a special yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Like, it's Cage's manic craziness. It's all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can see why, like, bad scripts kind of make it through because I guess they just kind of hope that the, it'll like the combination will produce something good sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it happened with, fate, with Face Off, I think, but. Anyway, yeah, go. Yeah, I heard that was originally written for Schwarzenegger and Stallone. I'm just like, I don't think that would have worked as well because, like, oh, dude, yeah, you need that. You need the manic energy of those two leads, and that's just not the same energy that Schwarzenegger and Stallone give to it. Like, it's it's not going to work. Real quick, I see this movie in the theater with my dad in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fucking, I don't know, like in sixth grade or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a scene in it where Nicolas Cage. It says, I want you to suck my, and then my, I can, my dad's like reaching for my ears to cover him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, tongue. And then he goes, Ooh, okay. We're good. Like, <laughs> but that's such a weird fucking line. I know. <laughs> but my dad, my, my dad was like, Whoop. Oh, okay. Oh, we're okay. Good. <laughs> 
though I'll that's really weirder that than the alternative. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's just it was wild, man. It, mm-hmm. Like, and John Travolta putting his caressing his son's fucking head, like his face the whole time. You've seen Face Off, yeah, right? yeah. It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's doing like this caress move to his kid. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway. Back to Wayne's getting murdered. And shit. Wayne's getting murdered again. Uh, they got murdered because they were showing him a movie as a reward for him getting straight A's in school. So this is Engelhardt's way to establish. Oh, he's always been smart. Um, too bad that intelligence got his parents killed. So uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. The Waynes are wealthy people who quote unquote prefer walking with people rather than riding a limo. So it kind of shows that hey, we're like we're wealthy, but we're like good guys type of stuff. Uh, and uh, we even see Thomas Wayne help out a homeless person. Again, trying. I think they, Engelhardt's just like, you only get one scene with the Waynes, so I want to establish character really quickly, so that's why he did that. Well, what is this? Yes. A stick-up, buddy. I'll take that necklace you're wearing, lady. See, notice the little dots for the necklace? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. We think we know it's pearls now, but like back then, it's just like, yeah, that could be anything. So, yeah. uh, you know, Waynes are shot, as usual. Bruce gives the killer... Again, quote, the most intense gaze of hatred ever recorded. And so the killer leaves. <laughs> Wayne funeral again. Alfred is guardian again. Bruce makes the vow now here. Uh, and then, you know, basic stuff. The uh, second treatment that Engelhart wrote sort of switched things up and had the Bruce, you know, the Wayne funeral where Bruce meets with Chief Inspector Gordon, who is 50 mm. years old at this time. And again, continuing the idea, Gordon's around when the parents are killed sort of thing. Uh, and then Bruce sits in a 1974 state-of-the-art exercise machine. In State-of-the-art. Uh, and ends up working out a lot. Uh, ends up going to college, learning from a Professor Kane. wonder who that's named after, as I said. Uh, yeah. Kane is teaching fingerprinting techniques, and Bruce is auditing it as a 15-year-old under an alias. And then years <laughs> later, when Bruce is older... He comes to visit the university only to find that that professor has been murdered. So Bruce tries to investigate it, ends up using his detective skills, uh, and solves it before the police do in figuring out that it is actually one of Kane's former students who was seduced and pregnant and impregnated by the uh, professor. And Bruce clearly doesn't care because murder is never justified in his mind. So right. <laughs> he just lets the police take care of her. But that's that's more to set up his overall arc of like being more merciful later. Uh, right. And then I think Bruce, based off this experience, feels like he can't be a police consultant or a PI, so he must have a disguise, and then a bat flies in through the window. He does not say, I shall become a bat, but it does say the bat's black shadow falls across his face as we dissolve to the title, The Batman. Duh. Yeah, that, duh, that would duh, be cool. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe oh, even man. if they just did a flashback in The Batman where like Pattinson, it's like... You know, we won't show the origin, but we could show this part where he's like he's wounded, does the whole year one thing, the bat comes in, and you see the shadow go across the face, and then you cut to the title. If that there's no cool. flashbacks in the movie, I'll be very surprised. Mm. I mean, we don't have to see a full Wayne murder, but yeah, if there's like that. not not any like quick shots of a flashback while he's fucking like shaving or whatever the fuck, like <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever it is. It'll be very surprising. Like if the, if the movie goes straight forward from you know one time mm-hmm. point to yeah. the end, that'll be something. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're about to find out in a few days yeah. from yeah, uh, few days. when this is released. So, yep. 
uh, after this treatment was the masterpiece, Bob Kane's The Return of Batman. <laughs> where Love it. It is, you know, it's, it's unintentionally hilarious, but the actual origin is not, because it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty much the Bill Finger thing. Uh, a couple okay. interesting. A couple we yeah, we didn't really get to making fun of it until like like halfway through it. Maybe. Yeah. 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 We weren't really making fun of the the origin because it's it's basically the Bill Finger one, as I said. So right. um, they say Kane or whoever the ghostwriter was says that the Waynes are leaving their quote elegant Greystone townhouse, so not Wayne Manor. Okay. So that's interesting because in the original origin, uh, Bruce becomes wealthy after the deaths of his parents. When he's an adult, his father's estate leaves him more wealthy. So he's, uh, it's it's a case where this whole like Wayne family legacy and you guys have been rich for centuries, like centuries and generations and generations, that came later. So okay. they're staying true to it. Uh, this also happens to take place during a storm. So very theatrical in that. And um, they're actually about to get into their car before Joe Chill shows up with the gun. So a little bit different setting. And Kane specifies that Martha's necklace is a diamond pendant because, again, the pearls weren't established yet. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, those are all the new additions. And then guess what? They get shot again. Uh, wow. <laughs> once again, Bruce's stare causes the mugger to go away. Back at the parents' grave with Alfred again. Makes the vow. I mean, you know the you know the routine I, at this point. I have a <laughs> very specific question, but that's what this podcast is for, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Waynes are generally just shot in the chest, like in the heart each. Like they're not shot in the face, huh? Uh, That'd be too too gruesome for the kids. It's too gruesome. We haven't really seen it. Yeah. 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 We, we assume it's a it's body shots. It's a torso, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never specify, huh? Uh, it depends. It depends sometimes. Okay. Uh, but it, it's generally assumed to be in the chest for uh, okay. for both of them. Okay. So. Uh, but yeah, there's no, there's no like shot through the mouth type of thing. Though I mean, it looks like that was implied by uh, Zack Snyder's version. You know, where like, oh, the gun yeah. is cut, caught in the necklace, and so the only logical place that she was shot was like right through the face. I'm just like Jesus, Zack. Yeah, he's he's getting the Edge Lord mode going on there. Uh, true, but that is in the Dark Knight Returns. So that's true. It's it's a good visual though. It's a good visual. It's, yeah, it's visceral as fuck. Yeah. So unless she yeah. moved in such a way that it ended up going to the chest. No, we assume she was fucking capped <laughs> right in the fucking dome. <laughs> Even the R-rated Ultimate Edition didn't show us the uh, too much gore in that. So they didn't oh, shoot well. it. You know, there's no yeah, there's no there's cut nothing, of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we later see a 25 year old Bruce Wayne working on his private gym. So again, similar stuff. He's all working out. He's got trapeze bars. He's lifting weights. He's got Nautilus equipment. He's hitting a punching bag. He's becoming like quote unquote. He's got the superb condition of any Olympic contender and has become a master athlete. Again, pretty much standard origin stuff. Um, while some of the other origins emphasize more on the, you know, the standard stuff is just all the, like, the working out shit, the workout stuff. Um, but also the uh, this treatment emphasizes that he's in his crime laboratory experimenting with all kinds of scientific experiments, uh, you know, test tubes, Bunsen burners. He's basically a master of scientific <laughs> deduction. So again, creating the like master of the mind just as much as the body. And then uh, he's in his study and he's reading Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment because as I think we talked in that episode, Kane was just like, what's a, what's a smart book? For him to be reading? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> Crime and Punishment. Yeah, sure. Of mice and men, maybe. Yeah. Not too soft. He's a master criminal. This one's got yeah. an ax on the cover. <laughs> 
It brings <laughs> up that he must assume a disguise to protect his identity, and then once again, a bat flies through the window, and Bruce decides to become Batman. So, you know, we got the same well, stuff. Well, you know, it's just, it's strong. It's it is yeah. For what that script is, it's probably one of the strongest parts. I mean, yeah, that that yeah, that's what I yeah. mean. Yeah, no, no that's surprise. An element, that that's an, the element yeah. itself is strong. Yeah. yeah, no surprise that Kane's uh, his the strength of the treatment was is basically just purely ripping off of Bill Finger, and that everything else is crap in that treatment. So. <laughs> well, crap or gold depends on gold how you crap, yes. how you look at it. They need to make a Brave and the Bold episode of that shit. <laughs> Please, don't. actually, no, they couldn't because <laughs> the fucking it's fucking not PC at all. <laughs> but that's <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Maybe like an adult, like animated one with Will Arnett as Batman. <laughs> But like he's a different one. He's not Lego Batman. But it's, they can't say him. broad though, can they? Like, not, I mean, <laughs> they could just to be like, this is the version, you know? Yeah, unless they're making fun of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so as you've seen, like everyone shows the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Everyone shows various versions of the training. Englehart and Kane show the vow. Uh, you know, they show the bat flying through the window. Let's get to Batman 89, where Sam Hamm is hired, and he's hired, uh, you know, to have a different approach because he feels that uh, let's not do the origin. Let's give the audience what they want in the first five minutes. The audience doesn't want to wait 30 to 60 minutes to see him don the bat suit. They want to see him in the bat suit immediately. So he started out the sequence the way we thought we know. Go ahead. Origin stories are kind of polarizing. I, I do. I have met several people that kind of just don't like, don't like them. It's just, they just, yeah, they want to get straight to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like origin stories. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it depends on, depends on the, the person. Mm-hmm. I guess Sam Ham's one of those people that doesn't like him. Yeah. Yeah. Like James, James Cameron wasn't going to do origin stories, an origin story for a Spider-Man, right? It's going to be like a montage or something. Like he wanted to kind of blast through it and then, Get, get I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to read it. I haven't read it yeah. yet. I know we've gotten a lot of requests for it, and so I'm just like, yep, after the Batman, we will cover yeah, yeah. We'll cover yeah, we'll the Spider-Man ca- stuff. Don't worry. Yeah, we have some pressing issues happening right now, like <laughs> really pressing, actually. <laughs> we, we will for, expand beyond Batman, we promise. Yeah, yeah. For this for this podcast, it's kind of kind of an important one coming up here. Yeah, so I figured it's just like <laughs> all our stuff related to the Batman now and then post the release of the movie, and then we'll venture off into other stuff there's an unmade doctor strange script that i found oh wow there's so, all i mean mobius morbius is coming out too so like that could that could sync up with spider-man at least uh yeah that's true at least tangentially yeah and then uh, i'm yeah. sure towards the end of the year then we'll go back to keaton stuff because the lord and savior is returning into the bat suit, <laughs> that, so. is, that is true yes our lord our lord and savior yes so uh <laughs> Sam Hamm's script did have some different stuff that we did not see in 89 when it came to the origin. One of those is, uh, once again, the idea that Jim Gordon was there when Bruce's parents were murdered. And here he is as Officer Jim Gordon in uh, in a picture that we didn't really get to see. That clearly in the movie there is a shot of it in like the newspaper but it's it's really unclear that that's gordon in there you kind of have to bring that interpretation into it um later in the cave when batman brings vicky Vale there she actually asks him in the original script how did you find this place and batman says i found it when i was a boy kind of like in mm. the dark knight returns and you know batman begins and all that and he brings up quote they used to terrify me but i forced myself to keep coming back and i guess i became the thing i feared the most you know, very Batman begins like in terms of like facing your fear and becoming what you feared. 
uh, just many years before that movie. So uh, this idea of Bruce finding the cave, just like in the comics at the time, is hinted at in the recent Batman 89 comic where Bruce tells Drake Winston in this panel here, you know, the cave was here all along. I just fixed it up a little. <clears throat> That's so, cool, yeah. 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 Uh, and then Vicky kind of dreams the deaths of the Waynes in this version. It's not actually a formal flashback. She kind of envisions it herself. And uh, it says that they leave after a musical. So that's interesting. And, okay. um, you know, the killer is, was not originally going to be Jack Napier. It was the traditional stuff. And then as they did more and more rewrites, suddenly it's just like, okay, they leave the movie slash musical Footlight Frenzy. And then they're shot down by Young Joker. So Footlight Frenzy was a musical? Uh, well, wait, no, it was a stage play. I remember okay. we talked about this in the Patreon, right? Where we're just like, let's deep dive into Footlight Frenzy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, they had the fucking movie times and shit on the poster, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, it was, <laughs> it's either a, it's either a movie version of the stage play or was the stage oh, play. Oh, yeah. Play yeah, yeah. So, the show uh, times or whatever. One. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> I plan to explore. Uh, oh, man. More it wasn't of, cats. They weren't seeing cats. It wasn't they weren't cats. seeing the Spider Man musical. That'd be weird. <laughs> Turn off the dark. <laughs> yeah first they saw one of the uh the guys in the musical fall and get injured just like a whole bunch of people did in that musical. yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they went out and got shot that's why they left yeah yes uh so a anyway. hell of a rewrite don't know why they chose <laughs> this direction but all right yeah uh i said i plan to explore basically a lot more of this um this origin of Keaton's Batman. We did a secret origin of Ben Affleck's Batman episode. And so when we get closer to the flash, I want to do a secret origins of Michael Keaton's Batman episode based off of the earlier scripts. What's in the Batman 89 comic, what's in the movies. And uh, just to represent that, we are looking at art from our fan, Logan Wood, who remixed the art of Batman year one. So at first glance, this looks like year one, but if you look closer, he put in Michael Goff's Alfred and that's Michael Keaton's head as Bruce Wayne. In the comic that's crazy so it's really cool yeah that's so. cool <clears throat> logan knows that uh we have plenty of plans for him on these but uh, for this one specifically i'll probably ask logan to do some similar stuff to continue this thread on it but we have many other origins to discuss and we'll go into those after the break it's time to tap in with the hyperx quadcast s microphone the stunning hyperx quadcast s features dynamic customizable rgb lighting a convenient tap-to-mute sensor, and four selectable polar patterns, so we can broadcast crystal-clear audio whether you're gaming, streaming, podcasting, or impressing your remote colleagues and classmates. So what are you waiting for? Join the Quad Squad and tap in today with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. Come on in, what can I get you? Sure, I've heard of Hair of the Dogcast. They're that podcast about video games and beer. From the latest gaming headlines to diving deep into the games of yesterday to sampling and reviewing craft beer from all over the world, Hair of the Dogcast is here for the gamer and beer lover in all of us. Available weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games? That's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, 
Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. And we're back. We're going to dive into the other Batman origins that we got. The other unmade Batman origins after Batman 89. So, after Batman 89, Andrew's all pumped. Ah, (laughs) Fucking ready! Well, remember the unmade BTAS origin that we covered? That kind of falls into this. Uh, So, (laughs) check out our episode on that unmade episode called Vigil, written as a treatment by Michael Reeves, presumably meant to be shown around the 1994 season of the show since it referenced Mask of the Phantasm from the year before, we would have just seen the aftermath of the Wayne murders. Young Alfred and Leslie Tompkins are helping Bruce grieve. Bruce trains himself as he grows up with Alfred sort of assisting and teaching him teaching him fencing. And then uh, Alfred's concern grows as Bruce dons the bat suit and then threatens to quit his post at Wayne Manor over Bruce putting his life in danger, but ultimately, of course, comes around to help him out. So check out that episode for more details on it, but it would not be complete if I didn't at least mention that. So... Uh, moving on then, we have Batman Forever. So, <clears throat> Michael Keaton, around the 90s, apparently wanted to do an origin movie after Batman Returns. Uh, I don't know, though, about the timing of this, because when he said this, this was around the time of Batman Begins, so it seemed a little easy for him to claim, like, oh, this is what I wanted to do in the first place. But he claimed in 2005 that Batman Begins was, quote, exactly what I wanted to do when I was having meetings about the third one. You want to see how this guy started. So he's he's part of the uh, liking origins camp. That's cool. Um, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, sorry, I fucked up my light. There we go. All right. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I it, I wonder if he was he having meetings or was he just calling people? Like, I wonder how serious he was at the yeah at the I mean, time. I don't know. He definitely had meetings with with Schumacher because he talked about you know his meetings with Schumacher. But I I'm also thinking maybe this is why there was some more of an emphasis on. Uh, the origin in the Batman Forever script, since it was just like, you know, there's the funeral uh, and there's the father's diary and that type of stuff. So we probably uh, covered this before, but when the Bachelors were writing it, yeah. the, their first draft, they had that Keaton was in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They wrote it for Keaton. Okay. It's just they okay. had already changed the director anyway. So they were okay. like, oh, it's naturally going to be Keaton because Keaton's Batman. And they didn't who else would be really. Batman? There's only, there's only yeah. two so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the original draft had young Bruce chasing a rabbit and accidentally falling into the bat cave, just like in The Dark Knight Returns. And then when he falls into the cave, he encounters the giant bat. Uh, and they del- they basically even directly lifted the monologue from The Dark Knight Returns here about how the bat, well, bat is like the fiercest survivor, the purest warrior and stuff. And, and that's how Batman describes it to Chase Meridian when he's describing this traumatic experience he had in the cave. Uh, That's cool. And then later, Bruce's parents are killed after watching The Mark of Zorro. Uh, to Schumacher's credit, he does give us this image from Batman Year One. We did not get this from the Tim Burton version, but it's the image of Bruce kneeling by the bodies of his parents, just like right. on the cover of Year One. So very iconic look there that got replicated again with uh, Batman Begins. So uh, at the funeral, Bruce would have found his father's journal and discovered the words that Bruce insists on seeing a movie tonight. 
This makes Bruce instantly feel guilty about having wanted to go to the movies, and he feels that he was the one who killed his own parents. So uh, this is what causes him to run into the night into the storm, only to fall into the cave and encounter the giant bat again, which inspires him to become Batman. So Batman is born in the Batman Forever continuity from his own guilt over killing his parents or feeling like he killed his parents, and so his only way to feel like he can absolve himself of that guilt is to take on the mantle of the bat and fight crime and prevent what happened to you know to him from happening to anyone else hashtag release the schumacher cut yes <laughs> please because we need to see this shit yeah this is i mean this stands to be like the most improved and not that it was bad but i mean this, mm-hmm. just talking about this arc it just it would sink it would really round out batman and bruce wayne's arc itself yeah. in mm-hmm. this and you get the fucking badass uh bat in it too so yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's it really stands to be the the most improved cut mm-hmm. probably. Definitely. Uh and then years later, in 1999, we got a radically different origin of the Aronofsky and Miller Batman Year 1 that of course we covered. Uh in this version, the Waynes went to see Zorro at the Grand Theater, so they're keeping the Zorro thing. Except in this version to keep Thomas, you know, to keep Bruce Wayne safe, the boy safe in the streets, a man named Big Al was the one who took him <laughs> to shelter in his car repair shop and raised him. So Bruce is raised on the streets. He's not raised in privilege. Oh, there is yeah. no Alfred. Instead, it's uh, Big Al's son, Little Al, who takes care of him. So so Al, there's no Alfred, but there's an Al. So it's like he's yeah. o- homaging this whole thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like uh, Bruce doesn't live in Wayne Manor. He doesn't have access to Wayne funds. And Alfred is now a black man named Little Al who owns the repair shop Al and Son. That's basically a mechanic, a car mechanic place. So that's cool. <clears throat> this is the one where he had to fucking ring with the W on it for yeah, Wayne and he's yeah. punching people and <laughs> fucking it starts to look like a bat or something. And yeah. The yeah. imprint. I'll, I'll go into further detail on that. But yeah, this, this is from that one. Uh, this take I, on, I still haven't forgotten that shit. We haven't talked amazing, about Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is again, like you said with the Riddler one, like it or yeah, it's like it's, it was a take. Yeah. It's a take. It's, it's a, a hell it's of a, a take. take yeah. And it's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this take on Bruce would have had Joaquin Phoenix in consideration, as Darren Aronofsky said. Uh, though Aronofsky said that he had a fight with the studio because he wanted Joaquin Phoenix and the studio wanted Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. That uh, just doesn't seem right. What happened to that guy, by the way? Every girl <laughs> liked him in high school. I think he's still married to Sarah Michelle Geller. So, just hanging out, I guess. He has had a good life. I'm just like, came in, had his... <laughs> had his time in the movies and then pieced out and still happily married, I think. So getting the residuals much like uh, Joaquin Phoenix's future version of the Joker. And I guess Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne. Bruce in this version is inspired by Travis Bickle and taxi driver. Okay. It's, yeah. 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 For whatever reason, they want to keep doing this taxi driver, Batman connection. And um, Bruce yeah, is Batman's like end. crazy, right? <laughs> Travis like, Bickle's like, also crazy. It's not like Travis Bickle, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. This is like, it's like producer think. It's, it's just hard because like, I, I, I can't help but watch Taxi Driver now with the lens of just like, it influenced Aronofsky's year one, it influenced Joker, it influenced Batman. And yet I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm just like, this is the most un-Batman Batman thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie, but yeah, it's it is, just yeah, a little, yeah. it's, it's, it's a weird good association. If they yeah. took the influence of it being what's known as a character study. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, Mask of the Phantasm kind of like that, right? Like it's kind of a character study. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Anyway, look up character study, everybody. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get into it right now, but yeah. yeah. So uh, Bruce here is on the edge about seeing the city fall apart around him, just like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. And he sees corrupt cops abuse the prostitutes around the neighborhood, one of them being Selena Kyle. So uh, when a corrupt cop assaults Selena, Bruce tries to rescue her, but Selena knocks him down. And when Bruce wakes up after Selena had knocked him out, he discovers that the cop he's fighting is dead. And so Bruce isn't sure whether I'm like, did I kill him? And I just don't remember. Did Selena kill him? I have to find answers. So he's driven to keep fighting crime and he's driven to help solve this cop's murder. The murderer turns out to be neither him nor Selena, but Selena's pimp, Chi Chi, our favorite character from the script. <laughs> Fucking Chi Chi, man. He's basically Harvey Keitel in Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> so um, Bruce is inspired to fight crime when he sees Jim Gordon on the TV, who is like fed up and angrily tells, you know, he's, he's yelling at all the news cameras that, you know, it's up to you. It's up to the city to fight against corruption. So Bruce sort of takes that literally and starts you know, heading to the streets to find answers. He attacks Chi-Chi, and uh, he runs away, and Chi-Chi warns, I've seen your face! So <laughs> Bruce says, well, I guess I need to disguise myself. So he dons the fake scar, like he did in year one, and starts refining his methods. And when he's nearly killed, he's like, I gotta get work smarter and get some weapons here. <laughs> Don't just use my fists. <laughs> so he checks out books oh, from the man. library. Uh, this is not the same thing as some of the other training montages. We have him going to the library, and he gets... Uh, books named Understanding Ballistics, Improvised Munitions, Explosives, Step-by-Step, Guerrilla Warfare, Neurochemistry, Thrown Weapons Handbook, 101 Sucker Punches. So, <laughs> Sucker Punches 101. <laughs> Just took a whole class on it. Yeah. You'd think he would okay. enlist some teachers into this. some of the stuff. I'm just like, I don't know if he can really get this out of a book without some significant practice, but okay. Um, yeah. He then creates a costume that makes him look like a hockey goalie. Um, okay. Based off of the take a hit, goalie mask, padded gloves, shin guards, and a bright red catcher's chest protector. Bruce goes out fighting crime in it, but then finds that the whole thing is too cumbersome. So he's just like, I got to get rid of this shit because this is not good. So he's developing, right? Uh, okay. The big mainstay is what you mentioned earlier, where he's got his dead father's ring on, and the ring has the letters T and W on it for Thomas Wayne. Right. With the right, T right, crossing yeah. into the W. And he uses it to punch criminals. And at one point, it says he uses a needle to sort of be cleaning the ring because he's trying to get the flesh out <laughs> of, of the ring. <laughs> it was it was such an edgelord take, but it was it was good though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what we have here visually is friend of the podcast Dustin Lee Massey who's been on the podcast a few times. He did this mock poster of this specific version of Batman this wearing is, the TW ring. It's a fucking sweet poster, man. Yeah. Yeah, so that's awesome. That that's how he envisioned it looking based off the script. And uh, yeah, it leaves a mark or rather a brand, you know, kind of like the Zack Snyder Batman on the criminals. And they're just like, I got marked by the bat because just kind of has this bat thing. Yeah. And so yeah. Bruce realizes I shall become a bat based off of this ring that he's been using. Instead of a, instead of a bat flying through a window, it's from him just punching the <laughs> fuck out of people. <laughs> like, what a take, man. What a take. So uh, the Batman suit is made from homemade materials, even more so than, you know, the Matt Reeves bat suit is supposed to be made from homemade materials or look like it's stuff that he made in the cave. But yeah, the description, yeah. yeah, the description in the Aronofsky one, I think, is even more so. He cuts a hockey mask in half, spray paints it black. This hockey pads connection, man. Like, <laughs> it's, been, it's been here for a while. I am wearing hockey pads. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> 
<laughs> he has an ammo belt, a groin protector, naturally. He has a knife. Uh, his teeth got knocked out, so he's wearing steel dentures. <laughs> so he can just bite a motherfucker. Ay, 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 ay. There's uh, Paul Pope's <laughs> Batman Year 100 has a cool thing where his Batman ha- puts in like vampire fangs for like even oh, more yeah, of the effect. Oh, yeah, be sick. Yeah. That would uh, be kind of awesome. <clears throat> yeah. There was some quote from Bruce Lee where he's like teaching, uh, so, you know, a class and his one of his students is like, I'm pinned, I'm pinned, you know, in, in a lock or something and like wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Lee says, have you tried biting yet? <laughs> <laughs> like, because he wasn't teaching, you know, he was teaching street fighting, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, that was part of the lesson. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see Batman bite somebody in the fucking street <laughs> in a, in live action, but it would I mean, leave it'd a be kind of visceral. Unless he's got the vampire fangs. So, I don't know if they'll ever do that. But it's it's a cool idea. It's not traditional. I, it, it's a cool idea. The, the meta thing though is like you might have a look. I know we can't just like be overly cautious with this shit every time, but it, I just feel like kids would just be biting everybody in playgrounds <laughs> from there on out. You know, I also like, don't think we're definitely not going to get it in this take because Pattinson's getting flack already for being the Twilight vampire. So I don't think they're going to be like, hey, let's emphasize more of that by giving him. Fat. Yeah, more more <laughs> biting. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it also says that he puts a bat logo on brass knuckles, uh, so he'll continue <laughs> Boom, to leave the imprint. Uh, heavy leather gloves. The gauntlets on the sides are not, you Hell know, yeah. some fancy gauntlet stuff like in the League of Shadows and Batman Begins. They Hell are razor yeah. blades in the side seams, which we were both like, uh, "That's a little," <laughs> you know, you just you just bring your arm down onto your leg at the wrong time, and you're fucked. Yeah, we could fuck you up. You got to remember that. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, his utility belt has rope, duct tape, lock pits, uh, stun grenades, syringes labeled stimulant, painkiller, truth serum, fear toxin. So I guess he makes his own fear toxin. Smoke bombs, uh, throwing knives, pepper spray, smelling salts, tape recorder, binoculars, sewing kit, and super glue. Super glue. Huh. So <laughs> I think that's the super glue his fucking cuts. You know, this skin. It back could together. be that, or just like <laughs> you never know when you gotta glue some shit. Maybe that it's, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just, just like, yeah, whatever. He's it's out fine. of handcuffs, so he just glues the criminal's hands together or something. <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't doubt it. The only way I you're guess... getting out of that is to rip your skin off. Ah! <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. Oh, man. New origin for Two-Face. He super glued half yeah. his face to the <laughs> fucking wall. He, he glued his fucking hand to his face. <laughs> like, try to break out of that one, Harvey. <laughs> Harvey's like, I'm not even evil yet. Oh, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> ah! No! <laughs> you got two faces now. <laughs> <laughs> Think, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> the ultimate origin, man. Batman causes it, dude, with his fucking stupid Let's ass get super John glue on here. He's gonna be like, no. <laughs> Why do we have super glue in his fucking utility belt? <laughs> to create Two Face, clearly in the sequel. <laughs> the Two Face origin, man. Um, yes. Look at the writer in the room, man. <laughs> this, I don't know about this guy anymore. <laughs> so there are other attempts to explore Batman's origin around this time, including one from the once loved now reviled Joss Whedon. So Whedon had a pitch. <sighs> you gotta on talk Batman's about this origins. guy. Yeah. Well, no, it okay. counts. Let's do it. 
No, no, it, uh, yeah, it's an origin. We got it. In his take, uh, young Bruce Wayne tries to protect this girl from being bullied in an alley, and it's an alley similar to the ones where his parents were killed. And he steps in, and he steps up for the girl, and he gets the shit beaten out of him uh, because he doesn't know martial arts yet. So in a later scene, Alfred is patching him up, but Bruce doesn't feel uh, disillusioned by it. He actually feels empowered because he realizes that he can actually do something about his grief. He realizes he can stop others and others from harming other people. And so this is his outlet. This is a way to deal with his grief, which sounds like a good scene, you know, regardless of how you feel about Whedon himself. So uh, not much yeah. is known about this pitch other than Bruce learning from some sort of mentor character who would turn into a villain in Arkham Asylum. It seems like that was going to be an original character from Whedon's perspective, but I don't know. Maybe it was Hugo Strange. Maybe it was someone else. But anyway, considering how things went with Whedon, it's a good thing we never got this because if it was made and we... Yeah, I don't know what would have yeah. happened, you know? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we also could have gotten a Batman origin TV series that was different from what we got in Gotham, which is the Tim McCanley's Bruce Wayne pilot for the WB, the banana slip. It's one. the banana one. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was covered by us in a previous episode oh, with more information from Krypton's site, but it has similar beats. Once again, the Waynes are killed after seeing the Marco Zorro. Uh, Bruce, again, just like in Batman Forever, feels guilty because he wanted them to take him to see Zorro. I wanted them to take him to see a movie. Once again, Jim Gordon is there that night uh, to comfort him. And then Bruce spends 12 years martial arts training. So I guess he starts really young at six years old. And um, when the pilot begins, Bruce is approaching his 18th birthday and then lands in jail after getting into a fight in London. So Alfred picks him up from London, takes him back to Gotham, where his company, Wayne Corps, as it's called, uh, wants Bruce back to see if he can take over the company. But they speculate in this version that Wayne Corps may have been behind the deaths of Thomas and Martha Wayne, and they may want to kill Bruce too. The mastermind this is of this... way before uh, Telltale, huh? Yeah, yeah, it I is. Guess, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the mastermind of this would have been acting CEO Charles Palantine, named after the politician from Taxi Driver. Again, Taxi Driver <laughs> influences Batman origin. I mean, all Why? right, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce would have established friends whom he met in the pilot, including his Bruce childhood friends. Bruce would then shave his head into a <laughs> mohawk. mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, so he he's friends with Harvey Dent, and one of his love interests is Harvey's sister Susan. And this actually foreshadows Jessica Dent, the sister to Harvey Dent in the Batman Earth One comics many years later, who's also a love interest to Bruce. So. Now we know where Jeff Johns got that idea. So Krypton right. site speculates that the actors up to the up for the part were Trevor Furman on the left and Sean Ashmore on the right, who, if he looks familiar, he was Iceman in the X-Men movies. So That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they figured that Top Gun's Iceman was Batman and Batman Forever. So naturally, you've got to find another <laughs> Iceman in order to fill the role. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know why that happened to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Bruce, uh, apparently, you know, we had information on the script, but uh, Krypton site has more information apparently from the series Bible or what was written in the pitch. It said that he would have spent time in Arkham Asylum observing the criminals in there. Again, studying the, the criminal mind. Uh, he would have brought in a series of martial arts trainers. He would buy a racing motorcycle and uh, like sort of the feeling of being anonymous late at night when he's decked out in the helmet and the leather driving around Gotham in the motorcycle. So that's cool. Um, it also says he would have considered joining the GCPD, but it doesn't last. 
He tries to go to the FBI Academy, but that doesn't work either because he fails in marksmanship. So, oh yeah, I yeah. love that. I yeah. think that's great. He's like he's good at everything, but he's just not good with gun- with guns. Yeah, or doesn't. It could want get to be. better. He's yeah. bad. Yeah, maybe he's bad because he's obviously could be if, if he trained more, but he just yeah. doesn't like handling them or something. Yeah. yeah. Also, it does say he would have learned more about car racing, helicopter, and airplane flying. So that ties into what you said yeah. earlier, actually. Yeah. Uh, you you kind of have to if he's going to. I yeah. mean, if you want to explain all these elements and he's driving the Batmobile like a motherfucker through the streets, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it would just make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, and again, as as I said, it's like it's it's a much easier thing for him to do as Bruce Wayne, where he like he doesn't yeah. really need uh, much of a cover there. It's not that suspicious that like, oh yeah, Bruce Wayne knows how to you know race cars and jump out of a plane. Of course he does. He's a millionaire. You know, he's a billionaire. He's yeah. so he's going to occupy his his time. He's a thrill seeker type guy. But they're not going to yeah. automatically connect that to Batman. Uh, no, not at all. And no. then he also of course, steals certain Wayne Corps R&D products to build up the Batman arsenal and even builds, uh, basically has his company win a bid to build the FBI computer criminal database so that Bruce could have access to it, to, uh, to the FBI's records. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so the evolution cool. of the Bat computer would have been in that. So that's awesome. I definitely would have liked those elements a lot more than in Gotham where they didn't really explore those specific parts, uh, but they should have. So... This was never made. Instead, in 2005, we got Batman Begins. Obviously, we don't need to cover much of that because just go see the movie. But um, (laughs) there was originally more to Bruce's development and training that was cut during the script phase. So uh, Bruce was originally going to have a fight with Falcone's thugs before going on his worldwide journey. And of course, he loses the fight, which would probably, it seems to imply, prompting his desire to learn more about that, to learn martial arts because... You know, once he comes back as Batman, he kicks the ever-loving shit out of them when he is Batman. So uh, it makes sense. Uh, during his travels around the world, the original script from David Goyer would have shown other mentors to Bruce before Ra's al Ghul. So okay. uh, he, an old man teaches him how to pickpocket, and Bruce does it, but then he just wants to know how to do it. He doesn't actually want to steal. So he actually goes back and returns the wallet to the man, pretending that, like, oh, you dropped this type of thing. And the man is so grateful, he ends up paying him anyway <laughs> for his help. So um, that's Bruce's okay. way to, to make yeah, it that's do. that's cool. Uh, he also learns how to crack a safe and is hanging with Chinese gangsters, learning how to be a criminal. This is all interesting stuff because it's not really the standard montage stuff that we saw in the other ones. It's not quite the same skills you associate with Batman. Uh, in a way. I think they wanted to just emphasize that most of that comes from Roz rather than these other mentors we didn't get to see that much of. So that's where yeah, that comes in. Yeah, just a way to consolidate the script. There's just a lot of Ninja Temple stuff happening and yeah. we gotta we gotta get get through all that, I guess. <laughs> and we gotta we gotta have a fight on a fucking um, you know, icy uh yeah. uh fucking iced over lake and shit too. That shit was yeah. awesome too, by the way. I love yeah. those scenes. Yeah, yeah. We also would have seen uh, a sequence where he uh, Roz would have been showing Bruce how to climb a wall and stuff, which would have been interesting for shadowing of The Dark Knight Rises. I doubt that's what they planned or planted, Damn. but imagine that yeah, being they in might, begins, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, having the bookend like that. Yeah. yeah, that plus teaching him how to do the whole uh, you know roping people type of thing that's in The Dark Knight. Oh yeah, yeah. 
that would yeah, have been yeah, cool because yeah. then you get you get a payoff in the other movies to what was planned in the first one. So that would have been amazing. Right. But, oh well. Uh, It'd be great if they just like it seems like the studios never do this. But they just write them by the seat of their pants. Like <laughs> it seems like they never like write three whole fucking movies. You know, get th- yeah. like right if you're gonna make a trilogy and spend million, maybe even a you know probably over a billion uh, uh, over three movies at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, like right, have the whole fucking thing written. Yeah, you know. I think it's easier. I don't said know than why done, they you know? they never do. It's easier said than done. I get it, yeah. but it's not like they don't have the money. Just well, fucking pay somebody. We know. I don't know. Anyway, it it boggles it boggles my mind because it just it feels like it would make it stronger. It one would make time your I feel like this stronger. Yeah, the one time I feel like this has happened is when Snyder did the whole Justice League trilogy mapped out. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, look what yeah. happened to that. So that that sucks. It's true. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. They don't want to, but it, like with this kind of thing, I just unless I don't know. I feel like they could just even if they don't make the movie, it wouldn't be that big of a mm-hmm. deal if they wasted the money on a on a writer to to hash out three full scripts. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just wouldn't cost that much to them. Yeah. At, yeah. at the end of the day, it's not like. I don't know, man. Like you probably know more about this than I do, but like, do screen screenwriters like they? Don't, I don't know. They they maybe they get paid more in residuals or something. I wonder, like, what's the most paid screenwriter of all time? Mm. I'm right? sure somebody in the comments knows. Let us know. Yeah, in the comments below. We but. could Google it, but we're not doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to Google that at the moment. That would be a giant tangent to this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lastly, a scene was cut during Batman's first night out, where not only does he catch all these people at the docks but he also would have confronted the corrupt judge on Falcone's payroll in order to ensure that uh, Falcone was going away in the movie all it seems that he does is that he gets photos for leverage for Rachel and he drops it off to her but in this one he would have actually attacked Judge Phelan in his limo and said you've eaten well as Gotham starved this ends tonight echoing that you've Dude, eaten this, well line this scene gotta be in a movie at some point it's just so yes. good. I don't know yeah. how they ever do it, but it's it's yeah. This is one of the best Batman pages or whatever panels mm-hmm. in like ever, right? Yeah, it's just so good. David Mazzucelli here with Richmond Lewis it's coloring, like, so classic. I, I wonder if like Marie Antoinette, you know, like like the rich have eaten well and they don't understand mm. the poor. Yeah. I, that's what I think when I see this. You know? Yeah, I see that too. I wonder just, if there's like a some there was some inspiration f- from Marie Antoinette for this. Maybe the whole let them eat cake thing. Maybe it's a stretch. Maybe. Yeah, let them eat I cake. I mean, it is yeah, he like, is uh, literally crashing their dinner party. So there's that aspect too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Scene, yeah, it, yeah. It could have it's just it everything seems metaphorical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hear you. If they're there this is the Gotham elites, right? Yeah, there's the leads, there's the Falcone, there's the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. All it's the, just all the like, rich yeah, you've eaten well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think this is kind of all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, in 2016, we got a new Batman with Ben Affleck and saw his origin again. And now audience start to complain about how often this origin is shown. 
Uh, but uh, <laughs> this was this is yeah the turning point for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we covered this in our Secret Origins of Ben Affleck's Batman episode, but there are certain details about Batfleck and his origin that aren't in the movies. And one of those things is that Bruce decides to abandon Wayne Manor at the age of eighteen, and so he leaves the the house to sort of decompose and. That's when he goes around and trains, and when he comes back, he lives in the lake house that Thomas Wayne made for Martha. He doesn't actually go back into Wayne Manor. So Wayne Manor has never been lived in uh, for a very long time when we see it for the first time in Batman versus Superman. So, uh, yeah. And so I guess that's what helps make it even more significant when he decides to start using it for the Hall of Justice in uh, at the end of, of uh, Justice League, which is cool, but uh, I kind of wish that they would have introduced this aspect into the actual movie so that we would get that symbolism as opposed to knowing that through Snyder's interview. But I digress. Uh, Training-wise, yeah. 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 Uh, according to costume designer Michael Wilkinson, Bruce studied martial arts in Japan, of course. That's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, but that the... Only look Japan? Of, um, in this? He only, he only mentioned Japan. Um, but that doesn't mean that okay. everything else is ruled out. It just means that he got training from there. So uh, the samurai mm -hmm. armor is kind of what inspires the look of those Wonder Woman type forearm gauntlets in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So uh, I thought that was interesting when, when uh, Wilkinson cool, yeah. admitted that. And then, as I've brought up before, Joe Manginello said in an interview that both Batman and Deathstroke were trained by the League of Assassins. Uh, but he did not clarify if they were trained at the same time. They just both have a League background. Um, mm. We did get the idea of them getting trained by the same mentor in the animated series Beware the Batman, though, where Slade Wilson was Alfred's protege before Alfred was training Bruce. So that kind of ended up taking that idea or starting that idea, really. So we're we're robbed. We really need to see his movie, man. Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck's movie. Yeah. With the death stroke. If he's down to do it. I get sad every time we talk, talk about the yeah. <laughs> I they he needs to sign like a really good contract for like for him to ever come back like mm -hmm. you will have a total fucking control and we will not butt in and yeah that's what that's really what's going to have to take uh for him to really come back I also think that like he he would need a director he trusts in it I don't think he wants to direct it you know he's he's on record saying that he doesn't yeah. want to do it cuz he felt like his heart wasn't in it and should go to somebody who loves doing it but you know, if it was somebody who did love doing it and all he's got to do is act the part in it, then maybe he'll come back. I don't know, but that's up to him. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yep. So uh, we're now finally caught up to the Batman. As of now, we've been pretty oh, much trying to shit. avoid as much information as possible. Don't worry, I won't go into spoilers because I've been trying to avoid as much as possible on this. But I don't think it's much of a stretch to say the Waynes were killed on this. Uh, <laughs> more than more than likely, yeah. If they did, if they're not, the if, a, if they're still around, it'd be so weird, wouldn't it? Uh, once again, I'm sure Bruce is raised by Alfred. Once again, I'm sure he did some training, became Batman before the movie, because it's on record that this is not an origin story. You know, formed some sort of alliance with Jim Gordon before the events of this. This is all before the movie. Uh, there is a book, though. There is a prequel book that goes into more details of a young Robert Pattinson Batman, and it's called Before the Batman, an original movie novel. Um, I have not read this. I did listen to a two-minute audiobook sample of it, and I was immediately like, <laughs> "Okay, 
I don't want this to be my first experience of the Matt Reeves world. Yeah, right, right, right. Even right, though right. I like, understand that, I even though like obviously there shouldn't be spoilers in it because why would they release it beforehand? But I don't know. Some business practices probably wouldn't care about that as much as long as there's something out there. But I'm I'll take care of it or I'll I'll read it after we see the movie because I just I want to experience the world as it's meant to be introduced and then read this to kind of catch up on the backstories on what's going on with right. Bruce and Alfred and you know what stuff they might reveal about other characters in there. So that's uh that'll be kind of an unmade Batman origin, but kind of depends as well on how much is covered in the Batman in terms of like what they say about his backstory or other flashback stuff. So, okay. Anyway, that is pretty much towards the end here. What, uh, I guess, were there any favorite unmade Batman origins that stuck out to you? Uh, man, I have to see a, the thing again, like our, uh, the ring. The, yeah. The the ring, yeah, that's when I I always remember, man, because it's yeah. so wild, but still works, you know, mm -hmm. in its own way. Yeah. Um. Shit, I don't know, man. What What about you? There's so many of these. I mean, I really like the idea of Burton tying in the Thomas Wayne bat suit in a way that sort of makes sense. Again, it's very untraditional, but I mean, at this point, right? We've seen so many versions of this that if they ever went back to that, I'd be like, you know what? That's awesome. That's awesome you did that because you're adding something new to this. So that's cool. And then, of course, there's the Aronofsky uh, Batman Year One script. It's pretty hardcore. I've actually been kind of experimenting with the possibility of sort of doing a fan script remix of that script where I'd uh, rewrite parts of it so that it fits into uh, being a prequel to the Batman. You just replace Little Al with Andy Serkis' Alfred and stuff and, you know, don't have <laughs> right, him raised on the cool. streets. But I'll have to see the Batman first to see right. if that would work because, you know, Catwoman's in that one. And then I don't really know how far along Catwoman is in her career in the movie or if she's even already met Bruce before or meets him for the first time, which I think is more likely in this movie, which would then fuck around. Right. You know, that would kind of not work if I were trying to make the Aronofsky thing a, a prequel script. I would have to find some other justification for why she might not remember him between that script and the movie. So anyway, uh, right. that's pretty much my, those are my votes on that. Uh, okay, but, cool. Yeah. yeah I, I don't have a, I don't know, man. I don't have a great answer today, man. They, they're all good. I, I, good I was happy yeah. to take the journey. I liked learning about the fucking occult. <laughs> he, he dabbled <laughs> in the occult. <laughs> that, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> witchcraft. I must know, Alfred. It's like, but yeah, why? Yeah. Just, just in case there's some magic shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> alchemy too is kind of a cult, cult kind of thing too. But it's kind of mm -hmm. like it's not really a science. But it's like I could see that Bruce Wayne fucking with that shit. Yeah. Just yeah, to see. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, I think. Yeah. Usually, when they write these comics, Bruce knows random shit when the occasion calls for it. And then they just yeah. retroactively explain, like, oh, I studied it. Just like everything else. I'm just like, he yeah, mastered he so many things. He just doesn't have time. <laughs> he schedules in a, you know, a date for like 15 minutes every once a month. And then the rest of the time, it's just a constant go. study. Yeah. <laughs> I only have 15 minutes. We're going to do this or what? I'm taking off my pants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm taking They're already off. Yeah. <laughs> Well, woman, you're wasting time. 
(laughs) On that note, (laughs) that is superhero stuff you should know. All right. Uh, Big thanks to our research (laughs) assistant, Dan, for putting together the visuals for this episode. And because we've got the Batman this week, here's a few concept art pieces that we missed covering the other characters from the Batman. So let's go into it. First is Penguin. This is concept art from The Batman from 2004 uh, animated series, the one with Tom Kenny's version with the orange hair. But originally, it looks like they were going to do a very, you know, Eastern Asian influenced version of Penguin. We've got a this different context for Japanese the umbrella Penguin. Here. Yeah, yeah, different context for the umbrella mm-hmm. here. Um, this fits because Penguin in the animated series has two Japanese henchwomen. They're the they're called the Kabuki twins and stuff. They have the the mask and stuff. Very <laughs> oh, deadly. Man. So okay. yeah. Uh, that's probably where they got that from. So this is once again in the Batman Definitive History of the Dark Knight book by Andrew Farrago and Gina McIntyre. Buy that in our store. We'll put the link up here. And the same book also provides looks at Penguin from concept art for Gotham. So this is a rare look on concept art for the Gotham TV show. On the left We've got Penguin's look from season five during No Man's Land, where he has a leg brace, as you can see here on the bottom. And then on the right, he's got the look of the series finale with the, uh, you know, with the monocle and the classic Penguin look. So uh, that's cool. Moving on to Catwoman, we have some Catwoman concept art from Gotham, where on the bottom, you'll see there's a cat mask concept art, which is interesting because she didn't wear one in the series. So they actually did seem to be considering putting her into the Catwoman suit, which is cool. Um, along the lines of Catwoman, Dan provided these images of Anne Hathaway's screen test of Catwoman. Different look here from The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, oh, mostly with the interesting hair. Interesting, though. Yeah, her hair's out rather than sort of, uh, you know, a little bit more. It had a completely different style, tied up, and uh, her mask is bigger here. And to be honest, I kind of like this right. better. You know, I kind of do. Um, could just be me. Yeah, that's cool. And That's lastly, cool. yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Going back. <clears throat> I like the look of it. No, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. I could see I could see why they almost did that. Yeah, yeah. And then this is a trading card of the Riddler in a deleted scene of Batman Forever. So this is called Victorious, and it's from the scene where Riddler asked Two Face, Teach me how to punch a guy. So when Riddler tries to punch the guy, <laughs> he hurts his hand, and then the movie cuts away. But this card shows the scene would have had a darker ending. Riddler hurts his hand when he punches the guard, but he's like, well, I need practice, and then, quote, gleefully proceeds to beat the poor fellow senseless with his cane. So, uh, sounds darker than it probably was actually shot. I'm sure, like, it's probably more cartoony in the actual version that they shot, but uh, it does seem like, well, I can't punch you, so I'm just going to basically beat you to death type of thing. So... Very different right. from uh, from the final scene on that. But yeah, other than that, that is it for the That's post-credits cool. scene. Yep. On to the fan comments. So, uh, first one comes from Scott Owen. Scott says, uh, is commenting on our Ranking the Batsuits episode saying, I remember reading somewhere that it was David S. Goyer who suggested that the yellow utility belt was an integral aspect of Batman's design for the Begin suit. Uh, it does seem odd to me that it was the only colored part of his suit. Sticks out like a sore thumb when you really think about it. Uh, I actually do have an excerpt from an article. Thanks, Scott, for this. But I was looking this up. I'm just like, I think I've heard this too. But let me just verify that this isn't just like internet bullshit. So uh, 
This is an interview where Poirier says, early in Batman Begins, he, Nolan, <laughs> Nolan says, does he have to have a utility belt? <laughs> and I said, yes. And he said, why? <laughs> and then he showed me a design, <laughs> and it was all black. And I said, it has to be yellow. And he said, oh. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> in some ways, thank God Goyer for can Goyer. Seeming, <laughs> Goyer can really check Nolan, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. It's so, interesting, yeah. Thank God for that. So, uh, yeah, that is correct. So thanks, Scott, for that. Uh, next comes from Warrior Smurf. Warrior Smurf has been uh, <laughs> leaving us some comments that's kind of been a corrections department that I appreciate. So on the unmade versions of Riddler episode, Warrior Smurf says, quote, Justice League Unlimited was on the air from 2004 to 2006. That Batman series, The Batman, with your Norwegian death metal Riddler, uh, was on at the same time. <laughs> The regular version of yeah. Justice League was on from 2001 to 2004. So, thanks, Warrior Smurf. Uh, I think I said in the episode that uh, it was at different times, but it looks like I was wrong. I was thinking of the original Justice League series that, as you said, started in 2001 and went through 2004, which would have been before that series. Thank you for that comment. Yep. Uh, and the last one is Alex Lemons. Alex says, new trivia tri trivial tidbit, or trivia tidbit, I recently learned. Singer Melissa Manchester was the animated series crew's initial choice to play Poison Ivy. The uh, actual actress was Diane Pershing. Um, so this is stuff I haven't heard before, actually. Uh, according to Bruce Tim, they were searching for an actress who could convincingly pull off a noir femme fatale type of voice. Andrea Romano got a call from Manchester's agent stating she wanted to break into acting, figuring voiceover work would be a good place to start. They agreed to audition her because A, Romano and Tim were big fans of her music, and B, they felt her voice had a suitable, seductive quality. While Manchester did the vamping well enough, her acting left a lot to be desired. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she is not an actress, so like that's kind of understandable. Yeah. Uh, Diane Pershing, yeah. who'd show up to play a few incidentals, was asked to try out, and the rest is history. Manchester is still featured in Pretty Poison. She voices the nightshade commercial model, who's often mistaken for Pam herself. Very similar designs. Very interesting. Okay. Alex. Thanks for that's that. That's cool. Uh, would love to hear more. Send us, uh, you know, comment below on and some of the stuff where you heard about that. I'd love to read more on that. So that is, uh, those are the fan comments. Coming soon to HyperX.com, HP.com, and more fine retailers, the HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless. The Cloud Alpha Wireless gets up to 300 hours of battery life, so you'll spend less time charging your headset and more time charging into action. The dual chamber drivers enhanced by premium DTS Headphone X spatial audio provide reduced distortion, allowing you to hear audio cues with pinpoint precision. Up to 300 hours of battery, two chambers, zero wires. The new HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless. I think that is over to you, Andrew, for the fan show. Okay, man. Yeah, thank you for those comments, and we want to thank Shasta Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willick, Nick Noir, Jeffrey R, Askers Webb, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, Ian Justice, Jared P, Jamie H, Rochelle L, Skyler, TD, Sketchcraft, Braxton W, Renee V, JD, Logan Wood, who is Shane Helms, 121 on Instagram, Griffith, Griffin W, and Daniel V. Also, we have our other supporters who are Sparkageddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, John Wells, Rye Guy, Jackson Putnam, Tway N, Watson, who was Stage Bat on Instagram, Joey, who was W.media on Instagram, and Paul G. 
that's uh yeah the patreon supporters just then were uh that's the that's the one dollar tier we want to uh also direct you on to on over to the five dollar tier as well uh this is at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod and the five dollar tier gets you a whole other show every friday you can cancel any time and yeah we do deeper dives on there and it's just more content from us we also have the ten dollar tier that's a monthly meetup it gets you the one dollar tier and the five dollar tier but also you can with the with ten dollar tier you can join us monthly in a zoom like call and uh we have a topic to discuss and things to watch all together and react all together and it's a way that we can meet up with listeners and things like that and uh yeah please join us there and uh we have superhero stuff pod merch uh at superhousepod.redbubble.com and superhero stuff pod.threadless.com get your ben man indeed wizard and zacula shirts shower curtains and everything else mugs and shit at um at those sites and um the artwork is by Stephen santa cruz and please send us some audio it's been trickling in, and we need more. Mm-hmm. So please send that over to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. We're hungry for your audio. So please please, please send us something there. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. And Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. Thunderwolfdrew.com as my portfolio. And then Amano Recon, that's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com, is a website for an upcoming thing that I'm doing, which is an R-rated uh, sci-fi think, think basically Stranger Things meets Power Rangers. Not a fan film, though. Original idea. It'll be an Indiegogo campaign. And uh, we will have a little something to show next week. Ben? Ooh, nice. Uh, shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow us on social media, on our Twitter, at SuperHousePod. Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod. TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod. Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is Ben Juan Rider, where you can read my Gotham script, Gotham Vampire, which also has young Bruce investigating the death of his professor. And no, is not uh, some student that the professor impregnated, like in the Steve Englehart script. So it's a very different story. Um, we've also got uh, <laughs> right. the script, spec script for Elementary called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective. And Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb episode they could never make, where Larry David goes to Disneyland. So uh, my YouTube channel oh, is man. in the description below. And uh, you can also check out Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama that uh, I write, narrate, and edit. My Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My cat's Instagram is Alfie Pennyworth Cat. He's sleeping next to me, as usual. And uh, you can also, if you have a cat or you have an Alfie or any sort of feline friend, you can also get the Whisker Box, the only cat box the crazy cat, lady, and gent. If you don't have a cat but you have a dog, then you also get the Peanut's Bark Box. Peanut's been mad at me because I haven't gotten him this. I haven't gotten Peanut the Whisker Box. so That's why he's, he's, he's saying at stuff me. in the beginning. Yeah, We've yeah. solved the mystery. Huh. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes, yes. So... <laughs> Don't be like Andrew. Get the whisker box or get the bark box if you have a dog. Um, and oh, use, you could use our link uh, and basically get your first month off free, valued at $35. And uh, you can find all that type of stuff, the promo links, other good stuff, 
even the Batman Definitive History book with all the concept art that we keep referencing and putting in here, all that is at superherostuffpod.com slash shop. And that is pretty much it. When you guys see us again, we will have seen the Batman. Indeed. Fuck yeah, motherfucker. But until then, yes, we want you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends. <laughs> 